Hebrews chapter 2. And this morning, I wanted to take a few minutes to go back and address something that we looked at last week in more detail. Something that we just kind of went over. Remember last week, if you were here and you missed it, you can go listen to the podcast or watch it online on our YouTube page or Facebook page. But we stepped back and took a big picture look at the end of chapter 2. Well, this morning, I knew because of communion, because of baptism, we'd have a shorter time. And so I wanted to go just for a few minutes back and examine something we walked over in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2, because I think it's very relevant for today and for the church today. So you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 2. I would venture to guess that it probably would not be a stretch to say that almost every person in this room and every person who is joining us online has had a battle with fear in the last 19 months. For some of you, it was hit and miss. For some of you, it was like a wave. It came and it went. Maybe it was a one-time instance. For others, it's been a daily deluge, a weekly deluge, a monthly difficulty. For some of you, it has been all-consuming. For some, that battle with fear has caused you to lose sleep. It has caused you to, to have worry and be filled with anxiety and be filled with worry. It's caused you to make changes to your behavior and your decision-making that you wouldn't have otherwise made. Now, I know we don't like to call it fear because every person that I've talked to in the last 19 months when they, when they deal with anxiety, when they deal with worry, when they're dealing with stress, they always preface it by saying, but it's not fear. Listen, it's fear. And fear is dangerous. And even if we don't want to admit it to ourselves, even if we want to call it things like concern or compassion, it's fear. And make no mistake, regardless of what you want to call it, fear can destroy a Christian's life. And it can destroy your faith. And matter of fact, at its root, all fear is really fear of dying. See, in the last 19 months, people who have been consumed with fear are not afraid of catching COVID. They're afraid of catching COVID and dying. And so that is in and of itself a fear of death. Now, people, uh, as I was preparing this, I thought, you know, people are going to say, you probably shouldn't talk about this. It's, it's so divisive right now, and it's so divided how we deal with this coronavirus and how we handle it and how we approach it and how we uh, talk about it even. It's become so political that maybe you shouldn't talk about these kind of things. But listen, fear is not a political issue. It is a spiritual issue with spiritual consequences, and I am compelled to not ignore it especially because it talks about it in our passage that we read. And if the Word of God is dealing with something that is touching each one of us, then we better find out what he means here. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, I think there is an answer for those of you still struggling with fear. Listen to what he says. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared, Jesus Christ shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And listen to this, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See, what he reminded us last week is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, not only did he defeat the enemy, not only did he defeat sin, not only did he defeat the power and the control of sin, but he also defeated death. And in defeating death for the Christian, he defeated the curse and the fear of death that enslaves us. 
And so what this passage means is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, not only does death not have a hold over you, but the fear of death has no place in your life, especially as a place of control. We should never give fear that place where it allows us to make decisions and dictating our behavior and dictating our thoughts and dictating our beliefs because the only person who has that right, who has that control, is the Holy Spirit. And you understand that when you take the place that God has given you the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to control you and to illuminate the word of God, when you take that place and remove him out of the way and place fear in that place, that's idolatry and it's a sin. So fear in and of itself is a sin. It is a sin when Christians allow the fear of death to control their thinking, to control their behavior. But... Since we don't call it fear, I guess we're all okay, right? See, but it doesn't matter what we call it. What matters is what God calls it. And what matters is the place that we put it in our lives. And the moment you allow fear to gain a foothold in your heart, to gain a foothold in your mind, you are on dangerous ground because sin never is satisfied with just a foothold. It grows and it gets deeper and it becomes a root. And when fear usurps the Holy Spirit, you are in danger, believer, because once it becomes a root, we stop recognizing it. See, that's why many of you can hear all that I just said, that little introduction, and say, it's not a struggle for me. I don't have a problem with fear because you have been dealing with it and suppressing it for so long and allowing that fear to make decisions in your life and to control your thinking and to control your behavior that now you no longer even recognize it. You just think that that has become normal. And you see, what happens with sin is once it gets a foothold, then it begins to grow, and it's not just enough to control your desires, to control your behavior. Then all of a sudden, it begins to control every aspect of your life. And that's dangerous, because always, when sin takes control, it will diminish your faith and diminish your relationship to God. So I'm here to declare to you that if you've allowed fear to gain a root in your heart, it has to. It must come in conflict with your relationship with God. And it will always affect your faith and how much you trust God. Now, let me just say this to help explain the term fear. Because I think there's some confusion when we talk about being afraid or even being frightened and fear. We always lump those together, but they're not the same thing. They are two sides of the same coin, but they deal with progression. You see, being frightened is something that happens one time. It is that one-time shock. You, You walk outside, and there's a snake on your porch, and you jump back. You are frightened. Or that time that all of a sudden you turn the lights off, and you hear a noise in the back room, and you are frightened. But see, that's just a one-time thing. And then being afraid is a mechanism that all of us have been given for self-preservation. It's part of our old nature. It's part of our flesh. We have the ability to know and to be taught as we grow up that there are things that we should be afraid of. When we see fire, when we first time you saw fire, you were afraid of fire. 
When you got to the edge of, of, of a steep cliff, you were afraid of the edge of that cliff. When you saw a snake, you were afraid of it. But what happens is over time, as we mature, we categorize those things that we were once afraid of and recognize that they're, they're not something we have to deal with on a regular basis. I no longer, when I see a snake, do, am I filled with being afraid because I recognize I can just walk away from it. When I am in a high place, I don't fear heights because I know I can just step back from the edge. I don't have to give in to that. But what happens to us is when we allow those things that once caused us to be afraid to sink down and become a part of our life and to take root, then all of a sudden it becomes fear. And that fear is not happy with just momentary times. It takes over everything. So when you were a kid, you were afraid of the dark. So what did you do? You got a nightlight or you turned the closet light on or you cracked the door. And as you grew to be an adult, maybe you still have a slight fear of the dark. But you've learned to manage it. Some of us. But some haven't. See, some still lose sleep because what they did is they allowed that thing that once caused them to be afraid to take root in their spirit and become a root of fear and now it controls their behavior. Now it dictates to them how they respond to circumstances and situations. They won't go somewhere because they have allowed fear of the dark to keep them out of that place. And once it begins to get to that place, once that fear becomes an authority and creeps into other areas of our life, it takes control. And I have to believe that some of you are struggling with this today, either here or online. And listen, fear is big business. Fear sells. We are so surrounded by a culture of fear that we have categorized the different fears that we have. Maybe you'll recognize some of these fears. I'll read you some. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders, right? That's natural. Aerophobia, fear of airplanes. Claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces. Dentophobia, the fear of dentists. Amen, right? So we, that's justified maybe. Glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. Hermotophobia, the fear of sinning. Pentherophobia, which is fear of your mother-in-law. Valid again, so we can write that down. Ecclesiophobia, which is a fear of church. Some of you seem to have that. Ternobophobia, which is a fear of being tickled by feathers. Venustrophobia, which is a fear of beautiful women. Xanthophobia, which is the fear of the color yellow. Anuptophobia, which is the fear of staying single. Gammophobia, which is the fear of being married. And then this one, it's, it's a real thing. Lupo. Lipsophobia, which is the fear of being pursued by a timber wolf while running around in your socks on a wax floor. It's a real thing. Somebody has that fear so much so that they created a category for them. You see, fear sells. Fear is big business, so it shouldn't surprise us that we are surrounded by a sensationalized media that uses fear to manipulate and control our behavior. And all media does it. TV, movies, internet, books. Some of you, the first real fears that you allowed into your life were from movies that you watched as a kid. And somehow something that happened in that movie has allowed fear to creep in and scare you to not do certain things, to not go to certain places. 
And the media preys on that fear. But recognize, it's always been that way. The media has always propagated fear. It's just before we had the internet, before we had this 24-hour news cycle, fear was always relegated to the tabloids. Do you remember the tabloids? When you would go to the grocery store and there were these magazines, the Star and the Inquirer, you know, aliens are attacking the world, volcanoes are destroying us, and asteroids going to hit the world. So if you wanted to bring fear into your life, you bought those things. It wasn't thrust upon you. And you might see some of it in small glimpses and in small doses. But recognize that 100 years ago today, the media, the newspaper industry, their biggest selling point was always, if it bleeds, it leads. Fear sells. So now we're surrounded by a 24-hour news with television and internet that comes right to our hands, right to our phones, And because we have somehow decided to make medicine and science political, the lines between fact and opinion have been blurred. And all that does is feed our fear because we don't know where to turn for answers. Because see, part of fear is uncertainty. Part of fear is the unknown. Not knowing what is going to happen. Not knowing what it is that we're facing. So what do we do? We search for something to fill that sense of uncertainty, to fill that sense of unknown. So we go to the news or we go to the media. And instead of alleviating our fears, instead of giving us answers, we are bombarded with more fear. Fear mongering. And what happens is is they manipulate the facts and they publish half-truths on both sides to push an agenda, all the while creating more fear and more uncertainty. Maybe for some of us, it would do you a great service to turn everything off for a little while. Turn your phone off and leave it for a day, for two days. You will be shocked at how much it changes your mood and your attitude. Because you see, you are being bombarded with fear. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to remind us is that fear is not from God, it's been defeated. Even the greatest thing we fear, the fear of death, has been defeated. And fear should have no place in the life of the Christian, especially when it comes to controlling us. You see, as a Christian, we no longer view death the same way. Death no longer has a power over me. Death no longer scares me or causes me to worry. I don't see death the way I did before I was a Christian. Now understand this, not fearing death doesn't mean I want to die. Not fearing death doesn't mean that I look forward to dying. I don't. I want to live 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 more years. My daughter just got engaged. She's getting married in a year. I'd like to be there. Uh, You know, I'd like to preach and pastor for another 20 years. But hear me, if I die this afternoon, if I die tomorrow, I'm ready. I have no fear. I accept it because I know that God is in control and I choose to not let fear have a place in my heart. It was so ironic that I worked on this message while I sat in that surgery waiting room at UNC Chapel Hill with about 35 other people waiting for their loved ones to have surgery. My wife was having cancer surgery. And you want to talk about a laboratory of fear in a hospital that's been bombarded with coronavirus 
In a hospital, it's full of people who are, are so afraid that they're going to die. People masked, people distanced. I sat there for five hours and watched people's eyes because the eyes are the mirror to your soul. I watched people's eyes as they checked the board and waited for the doctor. And you could just sense the spirit of fear. It was palatable, which means you could actually sense it. And I sat there and it was amazing, as I told you earlier, that I was surrounded by a sense of peace. Not because I'm super spiritual, because I'm not. I was surrounded by a sense of peace because I refused to give fear a place in my heart and a place in my mind. That's what Christians have to do because fear will destroy you. Fear will control you. It will consume you. And worst of all, fear will keep you from trusting God. And that's what he wants from his children. Listen, I read an article this week that blew me away. That doctors are now saying that fear is one of the main comorbidities of why people are dying of COVID. Right behind obesity and right behind autoimmune compromise, fear. So people today are literally dying of fear. They're going into the hospital scared to death because they've been overwhelmed with all of the bad news and all of the the worst case scenarios. And so when they get it, this fear overwhelms them and that fear weakens their autoimmune system and it mentally affects their ability to recover and to heal. It's medical science. Fear is dangerous. Listen, I battled when I had COVID. And I can't tell you that uh, I wasn't scared. When I had COVID back in January, the 15, 17 days that I fought COVID, we had three church members that I loved died. And here I am, their pastor. I can't see them. I can't talk to them. And I've got the same thing that killed them. And so it was a spiritual battle taking place. Because fear was trying to grip and gain control. And I can't imagine those people that are having to fight this disease that don't have a hope in Jesus Christ because they're going in and they're being left alone and they're surrounded by people that are masked and and with fear and it just consumes those rooms. Is it any wonder so many people are sick and passing away? Fear is deadly. See, there's a reason that the most famous passage in the New Testament that deals with fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, that the Apostle Paul says, it is a spirit of fear. Because fear is a part of spiritual warfare. It's something that we battle. He says this, God did not give us, Christians, a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, most of us stop. God did not give us a spirit of fear, and we claim that. But you recognize that he goes on to say what he does give us instead of fear. What does he give us? The power. What kind of power? Spiritual, supernatural power. Love. What kind of love? To recognize that we are loved and we are accepted by God and we are not alone. And a sound mind. What is a sound mind? A spirit-controlled mind that is listening to the Holy Spirit. See, you want to know how you battle fear? You battle through the power of the Holy Spirit, through love and through letting the Holy Spirit dictate and control your mind. This word fear in 2 Timothy is the word phobos, which means cowardice, timidity, running scared, and it's the only place that it's used in the Bible. 
See, fear is just a part of our old nature, that self that we battle. And God knows that you're going to fight fear. As long as we're on this earth, you're going to fight fear. That's why over 189 times in the Bible, it says, fear not. Because he knew it was going to be a battle. He knew it was going to be a struggle. As long as we live in this world, we will fight it. But the key is, you and I have been given everything we need to overcome it. See, it's not embarrassing to admit that you struggle with fear. It's embarrassing and wrong to ignore it or act like it doesn't affect us. And in doing so, allow it to take hold of your heart and take hold of your mind. The way to defeat fear is always faith. Because at its core, fear is really a lack of faith. Because if the Bible says that death has been defeated, and it does, if the Bible says that God is in complete control, and it does, if God holds our lives and everything that happens to us in his hand, then the only way that fear can come into our lives is if we do not believe that to be true. You see, when you allow fear to come in and control you, what you're saying is God's not in control. What you're saying is God doesn't know what he's doing, and I don't trust God to protect me this week. Fear always comes when we don't understand our faith in God and our hearts, when we don't trust him. The more faith we have, the more we learn to trust God. And the more faith grows, the more fear decreases in your life. You see, as fear goes away, you fill it with faith. Yes, God, I trust you. I believe in you. And you fight that battle spiritually. And you will find that you can overcome fear and the less chance it has to take control of you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite Proverbs that many of you know and have heard, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, which means submit to him, and he will direct your paths. That's what the Message Bible says. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Stop trying to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, for he is the one that will keep you on track. See, the problem in this last 19 months is we have been trusting in our own understanding instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit for spiritual understanding. See, Christians have got to stop allowing this fear of COVID and this fear of death to keep us from living the life that God called us to. We've surrendered way too much to it. We've surrendered way too much of our worry and our anxiety and our stress and our lives. We've got to learn to start trusting God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not careful. I've told you before, faith is not fatalistic doesn't mean that I'm going to go tempt God. It means I'm going to be careful. It means I'm going to take care of those things that are risky in my life. Whatever that means for me and whatever that means for you. But it also means that I'm going to be more obedient to God than man-created mandates. And so when God tells me to do something, I'm going to obey and follow him first. Because he's the one that holds my future in his hands. And the moment I stop trusting that, the moment that I stop believing that and trusting in my own understanding and my own knowledge is the moment fear starts creeping into your hearts. Listen to me. As a pastor who loves you, this disease and fear has robbed us of so much stuff that never should have happened. 
We've been separated from family members. We've been separated from loved ones. We had loved ones who died alone in a hospital. We had loved ones who were in nursing homes, scared for their life, that had to face it all by themselves, all alone. We've allowed a disease with a 99% survival rate for most people to totally transform our lives and transform the way we think and transform the way we live. That can't be so. And I'm not denying that COVID is serious. I'm not denying that it is dangerous and it can kill people. As I told you earlier, I've done funerals. I've sat by the bedside of people who were dying from it. I know it's real. I'm just suggesting that maybe the church and Christians let the Holy Spirit lead us on how we respond to it and how we deal with it instead of peer pressure, fear-mongering, and an agenda-driven media. It's time we start listening to the voice of God and not the loudest voice in the room. Because the more we listen to God's voice, the more we learn to trust Him and trust that He's in control, the less chance that fear has to enter into your hearts. You see, we have to acknowledge that God is sovereign. And we can take comfort this morning from knowing that every place that I go, God goes before me and God goes with me. Everything that I'm going to face in this life, I am not alone. That not only do I have the power of the Holy Spirit, but I also have the church lifting me up and supporting me and encouraging me. And because of that, I cannot allow fear to take control. For if I know that God, listen, I am not going to die a minute before God allows me to die and I'm not going to live a minute longer than he wants me to. And if I truly believe that, if I truly walk in that faith, and as I said, I'm not calling you to be fatalistic. I'm not gonna say, I trust God totally and I'm just gonna walk out down Main Street and not worry about the cars that are coming. That's stupid. That's not faith. I'm not going to walk into a COVID ward where people are surrounded COVID and not have protection. That's stupid. But I'm also not going to allow fear to keep me from doing and going and being who God's called me to be. Jesus said in John 16, 33, for I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. Where is our peace? Jesus Christ. For in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What do I have to fear of this world if God is my Lord and Savior? See, church, listen to me. Maybe it's time for the church and Christians to get back to worrying more about the condition of people's souls than we do their vaccine status. Let's pray.